Hey, welcome into Positive Light, where we're bringing a positive influence into this world and into your lives. And hi, I'm Bob Miles. So today's subject is going to be on why does God allow bad things to happen? You might have asked, or you might have heard somebody ask, God, why is this happening to me? So Rick Warren writes, we don't know everything, and our prophecies are not complete. Now all we can see of God is like a cloudy picture in a mirror. Later we will see him face to face. We don't know everything, but then we will. Just as God completely understands us out of 1 Corinthians 13, 9. Sometimes God intentionally hides his face from us. Why? So we'll learn to trust him and to live by faith rather than by our feelings. For instance, when Job experienced a lot of pain and despair, he asked a lot of legitimate questions. Why let my people go on living in misery? Why give light to those in grief? Out of Job 3.20. These why questions are human nature. We all ask them. We have the misconception that if we understand the reason behind our pain, it will lessen the pain. Or at least make it easier to endure. But Proverbs 2.25.2 says, It is God's privilege to conceal things. The only reason you know anything about God is because he has chosen to reveal himself to you. Here's the truth. There are some things you'll never understand until you're in heaven. God doesn't owe you an explanation for anything. God doesn't have to check in with you first before he does something. God doesn't have to get your permission before he allows things to happen in your life. God is God, and we're not always going to understand why some things happen. One day, it's all going to be clear. It's all going to make sense. You're going to be able to say, so that's why God allowed that in my life. Until then, God wants you to trust him. So God uses your problems for good. Even though you are temporarily harassed by all kinds of trials, this is no accident. It happens to prove your faith, which is infinitely more valuable than gold out of 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. Life is not a series of random freak accidents. Life is not totally unplanned. Life is not without meaning. God knows what's going on. God is weaving the tapestry of your life, and it includes light and dark threads, happy and sad times, to produce richness and texture and color. Nothing can come into the life of a child of God without permission. Everything is father-filtered. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that everything that happens to you in life is God's perfect will. That's just not true. There are a lot of things that are not God's will. If you go out and sin, that's not God's will. If somebody sins against you, that's not God's perfect will. But God does have permissive will. If I go out and overeat, I pay for the consequences. If I go out and wreck my body, I pay for the consequences. God does not cause evil, and God does not cause suffering. But he does allow those things because they have a purpose. God permits them, and then he uses them. God is an expert at bringing good out of bad. He could have kept Paul out of prison in Philippi, but instead he let Paul go to prison, and the jailer became a believer as a result. God could have kept Jesus from the cross, but he let him go. He let his own son suffer and die. Did God bring any good out of that? I'd say he did. God loves to turn crucifixions into resurrections. The things you most wish were removed from your life are often the very things that God uses to shape you and make you into the believer he wants you to be. He wants to use that problem for good in your life. There's something more important than your pain. What you're learning from that pain, God is in control. 
So how can we respond to a painfully or difficulty situations? The Apostle Paul says, never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Out of 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17. So Billy Graham was asked a question regarding why God allows bad things to happen. And here's the question. If God is in control of everything, why do bad things happen to us? I like to believe in God, but I just can't understand this. Billy Graham's answer. I've been asked hundreds of times why God allows evil to take place. And I have to tell you honestly that I do not know the answer. Not fully. The Bible talks about the mystery of iniquity in 2 Thessalonians 2.7. And that's what evil is. A mystery. But let me tell you three very important truths about evil that might help you. First, the Bible tells us that evil does not come from God. Nor can we blame God for all the evils in the world. Evil comes instead from Satan. And it entered this world when Satan deceived Adam and Eve and caused them to turn against God. Both evil and Satan are real, and the two go hand in hand. Second, the Bible tells us that someday all evil will be banished. The vast spiritual conflict between Satan and God that has raged from the beginning of time will be over, and God will be triumphant. Someday all evil will be cast into everlasting fire. Prepared for the devil and his angels. Matthew 25:41. Third, the Bible tells us that in the meantime, God can give us victory over evil. This doesn't mean bad things will never happen to us. But even when they do, we can know God is with us and he will give us strength to stand against them. Isn't it better to face life's problems with God rather than without him? No, we may not understand everything that happens to us, but when we know Christ, we know we are on the winning side. So next, I'm going to read you a story, and the story is called The Smell of Rain. A cold March wind danced around the dead of night in Dallas as the doctor walked into the small hospital room of Diana Blessing. Still groggy from surgery, her husband David held her hand as they braced themselves for the latest news. That afternoon of March 10, 1991, complications had forced Diana, only 24 weeks pregnant, to undergo an emergency cesarean to deliver the couple's new daughter. Danae Lou Blessing, at 12 inches long and weighing only 1 pound and 9 ounces, they already knew that she was perilously premature. Still, the doctor's soft words dropped like bombs. I don't think she's going to make it, he said. As kindly as he could, there's only a 10% chance she will live through the night, and even then, if by some slim chance she does make it, her future could be a very cruel one. Numb with disbelief, David and Diana listened as the doctor described the devastating problems Danae would likely face if she survived. She would never walk, she would never talk, she would probably be blind, and she would certainly be prone to other catastrophic conditions, from cerebral palsy to complete mental retardation, and on and on. No, no, was all Diana could say. She and David, with their five-year-old son Dustin, had long dreamed of the day they would have a daughter to become a family of four. Now, within a matter of hours, that dream was slipping away. Through the dark hours of morning, as Danae held on to life by the thinnest thread, Diana slipped in and out of sleep, growing more and more determined that their tiny daughter would live and live to be a healthy, happy young girl. 
But David, fully awake and listening to additional dire details of their daughter's chances over leaving the hospital alive, much less healthy, knew he must confront his wife with the inevitable. David walked in and said that we needed to talk about making funeral arrangements. Dinah remembers I felt so bad for him because he was doing everything trying to include me in what was going on, but I just wouldn't listen. I couldn't listen. I said, no, that is not going to happen. No way. I don't care what the doctors say. Danae is not going to die. One day she will be just fine and she will be coming home with us. As if willed to live by Diana's determination, Danae clung to life hour after hour. With the help of every medical machine and marvel her miniature body can endure, but as those first days pass, a new agony set in for David and Diana. Because of Danae's underdeveloped nervous system was essentially raw, the lightest kiss or caress only intensified her discomfort, so they couldn't even cradle their tiny baby girl against their chest to offer the strength of their love. All they could do as Danae struggled alone beneath the ultraviolet light in the tangle of tubes and wires was to pray that God would stay close to their precious little girl. There was never a moment when Danae suddenly grew stronger. But as the weeks went by, she did slowly gain an ounce of weight here and an ounce of strength there. At last, when Danae turned two months old, her parents were able to hold her in their arms for the very first time. And two months later, though doctors continued to gently but grimly warn that her chances of surviving, much less living any kind of normal life, were next to zero, Danae went home from the hospital, just as her mother had predicted. Today, five years later, Danae is a petite but feisty young girl with glittering gray eyes and an unquenchable zest for life. She shows no signs whatsoever of any mental or physical impairment. Simply, she is everything a little girl can be and more, but that happy ending is far from the end of her story. One blistering afternoon in the summer of 1996 near her home in Irving, Texas, Danae was sitting in her mother's lap in the bleachers of a local ballpark where her brother Dustin's baseball team was practicing. As always, Danae was chattering nonstop with her mother and several other adults sitting nearby when she suddenly fell silent. Hugging her arms across her chest, Danae asked, Do you smell that? Smelling the air and detecting the approach of a thunderstorm, Diane replied, Yes, it smells like rain. Danae closed her eyes and again asked, Do you smell that? Once again, her mother replied, Yes, I think we're about to get wet. It smells like rain. Still caught in the moment, Danae shook her head, patted her thin shoulders with her small hands and loudly announced, No, it smells like him. It smells like God when you lay your head on his chest. Tears blurred Diana's eyes as Danae then happily hopped down to play with the other children. Before the rain came, her daughter's words confirmed that Diana and all the members of the extended blessing family had known, at least in their hearts, all along. During those long days and nights of her first two months of her life, when her nerves were too sensitive for them to touch her, God was holding Danae on his chest and in his loving scent that she remembers so well. So remember, even in the darkest of times, when you're praying and have doubt that God is working on your behalf, He is. It might not turn out exactly the way you want it to, but He is there, and He is listening, and He is working on your behalf. So next, I'm going to play a song by Tommy Walker, and it's called Forward, and here it is. 
I'm not looking back I'm walking straight ahead Believe in what you've said, Lord That you're gonna be with me No matter what life brings out I'm gonna miss If I don't leave this old familiar place Oh, troubles, I know they'll come But I believe, Lord, you'll make a way As I take each step of faith You're gonna lead me by your grace
And that's another great song by Tommy Walker. And the lyrics that I like the best, it says, It's been a long, long road. It's been a crooked path with my twists and turns, but I'm not looking back. I'm walking straight ahead and believing that you said, Lord, that you're going to be with me no matter what life brings. Make sure you connect with Tommy Walker on YouTube. He's, uh, you can subscribe to his channel. He's also at TommyWalkerMinistries.org. Where is God when bad things happen? Lewis Palau writes, We truly live in a tragic world. How does the God of the Bible relate to these tragedies? Where is he when they occur? Can we continue to believe in a loving God who would permit such terrible things to happen? These are important questions, but God's word answers those questions. Accidents and even mayhem are part of life's fallen world. The moment Adam and Eve disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden, they brought sin into the world, and deadly accidents and murderous acts soon followed. Cain, the very first human baby, grew up to become the very first human murderer out of Genesis 4. And accidents have plagued humankind ever since the race was driven from Eden. No one is exempt, not even the most godly. I doubt few would question that the Apostle Paul was one of the most effective and dedicated Christian workers in history. Yet his life was peppered with serious accidents until it finally ended under the blade of a Roman executioner. Paul suffered through at least as many accidents and hardships as any of us ever will. And yet their painful occurrence never shook his confidence in a good, loving God. Why not? Unlike us, Paul did not see tragedy as a prima facie evidence against the existence of a compassionate Heavenly Father. In fact, he could write, For Christ's sake I delighted in weakness, and in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong, at a 2 Corinthians 12.10. Don't misunderstand, Paul was no masochist. He didn't delight in hardships and accidents because he enjoyed pain. No, he meant that when life overwhelmed him, he knew God would step in to help. Paul delighted in his own weakness because it was that weakness that gave God the opportunity to display to the world his own irresistible strength. And for that, Paul was grateful. Jesus, too, told us to expect pain and difficulties in this life. In this world, you will have trouble. He warned his disciples in John 16:33, and to the public at large, he said this about the future. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places out of Matthew 24. It isn't a pleasant thought, and that's the way life is sometimes in this fallen world. It may shock us, but it shouldn't surprise us. Tragedies are always agonizing and often senseless, but thank God that is not where the story ends. God is in control, even when it doesn't seem as if he is. Events never spiral out of God's control, as if he somehow lacks the power or insight to direct the affairs of our little planet. That is why the Apostle Paul, a man who knew intimately the pain of a fallen world, could tell the ancient Athenians, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. For one man he made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined that times set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us, out of Acts 17. The Bible insists that God is sovereign, that his dominion is an eternal dominion. 
His kingdom endures from generation to generation. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, What have you done? Daniel 4, 34 and 35. Even when tragedies occur and innocent life is taken or maimed, God remains in ultimate control. Nothing happens that does not first pass through his loving hands. We may not fully understand how this can be when we face painful tragedies, but our lack of understanding does not diminish or destroy its truth. Before we were born, God knew exactly how long we would live and how we would die. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. The psalmist said to God in Psalm 139.16, And that remains true whether those days are many or few. So God has a purpose in what he allows, even if we don't know what it is. From our perspective, tragedies look meaningless and senseless and chaotic. But God knows how to take even tragedies and bring good out of them. Although I do not believe that God causes all tragedies, the Bible says he is incapable of sin. I do believe he has a purpose in allowing painful events to occur. Nothing that happens is a mad, meaningless accident. We may not understand what his purposes are, but we can take comfort in the fact that they exist. God specializes in taking evil and bringing good out of it. Does the Lord cause some to die so the lives of others could be spared and the souls of still others might be better? No. God is not a murderer, but he does know how to take tragedy and bring good out of it. When we get home to heaven, we will finally see his purposes even in the tragedies of life. Meanwhile, we must continue to believe that he does have a purpose in everything that happens. Even if right now we are unable to see a shadow of what that might be. So tragedy can serve as a wake-up call. Oxford professor C.S. Lewis wrote years ago that pain is God's megaphone to a deaf world. In that way, some tragedies may serve as a wake-up call for spiritually sleeping people. A stubborn, secular, and even blasphemous society sometimes will be stopped short only when a tragedy of national proportions takes place. In the flood of the media reports, sometimes redemptive truth gets out. In a way, tragedy is a big reason why the cross and crucifixion of Christ still grip our imagination, even those who reject the gospel. There is something so profound about Calvary that even people whose religious has nothing to do with Christianity, even people who reject Christ, but intellectually and verbally nevertheless are gripped by the story. Thank God, perhaps, that he allows tragedy to so grab people. But what a shame that it takes such a horrendous wake-up call for us to open our sleepy eyes. It is possible to embrace hope even in the midst of tragedy. I cannot imagine what it would be like to endure a tragedy without the hope that God offers. Without Jesus Christ, there is no hope. There is simply an eternal black cold and unrelenting void. Just last week I came face to face with a cynical man who didn't believe in anything. What a miserable way to end life. I think unbelievers must, from time to time, wish that they had the hope of eternal life and a home in heaven. But, of course, they have no such thing. Instead, they have cynicism. Of course, we Christians grieve when those we love are taken from us. But we do not grieve as those who have no hope. 
We do not believe that people cease to exist, except as memories, when they die. The Bible tells us that we will again see all of those loved ones who put their faith in Christ. As the Apostle Paul writes, Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who die, or grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have died in him. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 and 14. Hope is readily available to all of us, even in the midst of tragedy, and not only hope for eternal life and hope of being reunited with those we love, hope is available right now, square in the middle of tragedy, because God has promised to walk with us through any disaster that might overtake us. And this world is not our final home. When loved ones die in tragic accidents or in the hands of wicked men, it is good to remember that this world is not our final home. We were created for eternity, and tragedy can never change that. This is only a transition period, a prelude to what God really has in mind for us. But because we usually look at only the present, we often consider someone's death premature or untimely. Our perspective is enormously limited. We tend to look only at what could have been, and in our minds should have been, down here on earth. But God looks at all of eternity. If we are to cope with tragedy, we must learn to look at it through eternity's lenses. Have you ever seen or heard about a tragedy and said to yourself, why did God allow that to happen? Or maybe things don't work out the way you expect them throughout your day, and again you find yourself questioning God. This is the thing about God that a lot of us quite often forget, is that He is God and we are people. His thoughts, mind, and understanding is infinite and are far above ours, while the minds of we as humans are finite. The following story is a great illustration which may give you a sense of understanding as why God does what He does. So God, can I ask you a question? Sure. Promise me you won't get mad? I promise. Why did you let so much stuff happen to me today? What do you mean? Well, I woke up late. Yes. My car took forever to start. Okay. At lunch, they made my sandwich wrong and I had to wait. Hmm. On the way home, my phone went dead just as I picked up a call. All right. And on top of all that, when I got home, I wanted to soak my feet in my new foot massager and relax. But it wouldn't work. Nothing went right today. Why did you allow those things to happen? So let me see. The death angel was at your bed this morning, and I had to send one of my angels to battle him for your life. I let you sleep through that. Oh. I didn't let your car start because there was a drunk driver on your route that would have hit you if you were on the road. Hmm. The first person who made your sandwich today was sick and I didn't want you to catch what they have. I knew you couldn't afford to miss work. Okay. And your phone went dead because the person that was calling was going to give false witness about what you said on that call. I didn't even let you talk to them so you would be covered. I see, God. Oh, and that foot massager? It had a shortage that was going to throw out all of the power in your home tonight. I didn't think you wanted to be in the dark. I'm sorry, God. Don't be sorry. Just learn to trust me in all things, the good and the bad. I will trust you. And don't doubt 
that my plan for your day is always better than your plan. I won't, God. And let me just tell you, God, thank you for everything today. You're welcome, child. It was just another day being your God, and I love looking after my children. God is great, and God is good. We all need to remember that God works and allows things to happen in his mysterious ways. We may not be able to understand why things happen the way they do, but someday all things will be revealed to us. Then, and only then, will we fully understand why God let certain things happen. So that brings us to the end of our episode, and my prayer as always is that God blesses the journey you're on with him and that you embrace the path that he has you on. Next week's episode is going to be on overcoming temptation. And also check out the new podcast out there connected with the medical stuff called EMS 2020 with Chris and Spencer. Hey, you can catch me at positivelightpodcast at gmail.com. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And remember, you can catch my podcast, the medical stuff, and now the new EMS 2020 anywhere you download your podcast for free. Everybody have a great week. We'll see you next week.